1: make a statement, or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com.
2: Saddle hunting for me has been a complete, and I hate even saying the word, uh, game changer for how I how I like to hunt. If you've been thinking about getting into a saddle, now is the exact perfect time to do it. You have the entire spring and summer to kind of dangle in the backyard and get prepared for the upcoming season, be able to practice all your shots, getting in and out of the tree, experiment with your different climbing options that you have uh, to lighten your load and be more mobile. If you're interested in getting hooked up and getting into a saddle, I would definitely be checking out Tethered. They have Two great saddles out. One is the new Phantom Saddle, which is killer, has a bunch of new comfort features that are built into it, as well as a Utila bridge to kind of help with lengthening and shortening the bridge to make sure you have the optimum comfort and you can get the, uh, the OG as I like to refer to it uh, that I've been doing my hunting out of the past couple of years, which is the, the Mantis saddle. I might also recommend the predator platform, especially if you're transitioning from a tree stand to a saddle, it gives, just gives you that little bit uh, sense of familiarity that you would have with a, a platform under your feet that you would have that would be similar to a uh, similar to a tree stand, and it made my transition a couple years ago really seamless from tree stand hunting to, to saddle hunting. So if you're interested in checking out more about saddle hunting in general, I would head over to tetherednation.com. Check out all their products. They have some killer YouTube videos. You will thank me later. The first thing I do in the morning before a hunt, before a scout, or just before getting ready for work is have my morning coffee, and I'm sure most of you out there listening are the same. Make sure you're filling your mug with Skull Brew Coffee, as it is the only coffee company that is both 2% for conservation certified and donates 10% of its profits to conservation organizations to help secure the future of our wild places. So head to SkullBrewCoffee.com and choose between three killer roasts of coffee and know that you are supporting conservation with every sip. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand deer hunting podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 177. Today, I'm joined by the magnum herd bull himself, Chancey Walters. So stay tuned. All right, all right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you are doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. I gotta say, man, it's like every time I hear this tune now, I'm I'm so glad that I changed the the intro music. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it just kind of feels like it's about to be a party when this song when this song kind of kicks in. It's got that rock and roll kind of vibe. I refer to it as kind of kind of butt rock um it's a little bit you know southern rock it's got a little 80s flair to it. it makes you want to tap your foot stomp your you know start kind of stomping a little bit uh but anyway i don't know i'm a little delirious long long weekend uh before we get too far into this happy belated mother's day to everybody i missed the opportunity to mention it uh last week as as has been kind of habit here lately i'm recording this on a sunday night getting everything kind of packaged up and ready for the, for the work week ahead. That way, when craziness ensues, I have this thing primed and ready for you, uh, to, to hit the airwaves for you guys. But I did the normal, you know, made brunch for my wife. We had, um, I don't remember what we had. We had some, these little breakfast sandwich thingies that I made that were all like keto grain-free, you know, um, kind of, kind of things with some, some fruit for my, for my daughter. And then I made this cheese, um, kind of spread that goes that goes on it and there was sausage involved and some poached eggs and mimosas and so i kind of did the whole the whole deal you know i figure she puts up with my you know my bs you know every other day of the year i figure you know one day out of the year she can you know of course be uh treated the way that she should be uh the way that she should be treated for all that she does for for our family here but uh that was kind of the mother's day event we at least had a little bit of nice weather which was nice was able to be outside just a little bit my daughter of course you know um you know, she's, uh, she takes after her mother, maybe I should say uh, in this, in this way. So my wife, you know, growing up, like we both were, you know, we did sports and all those things. And my wife was pretty athletic. Like she was, you know, she, you know, went to States and medaled in States and stuff like that for track. And uh, she played some, you know, um, she played some, uh, some soccer in college. It wasn't for the university, the university didn't have a team, um, but it was like some type of club, uh, club soccer or whatever. Um, So she was really a really good athlete, but she wasn't, real uh, graceful, shall we say. Like she will trip over her own two feet and she'll admit this. And my daughter has the same itis. It's crazy because my daughter's actually really good at gymnastics. So it's like the complicated stuff, the flips and stuff like that. Like she's she's got it. She's good. Um, Apparently riding the stationary spin bike is a challenge um, as she managed to either sprain her ankle severely or possibly fracture it. We're not sure if she had x-rays and the swelling was such that they weren't able to tell um, of what variety it was. So we kind of have to take a wait and see approach, see if it gets better. But yeah, I'm not sure how that exactly happened. But that was the big Mother's Day event was that which necessitated a uh, an emergency room visit, of course, and, and, and all that type of stuff. But seems like we're all on the up and up and uh, doing okay. The rest of my weekend was really spent uh, doing some video editing. If you guys haven't uh, noticed or haven't had a chance to check out, I've been posting, trying to post uh, videos more regularly on YouTube. Um, if you've not headed over, if you've not been over there to check them out, I've done two to this point, a third one release, uh, on Thursday. So if you're listening to this Wednesday, tomorrow, the next one should come out. And really what I did was, was created like a three video, a three part video series that really kind of focuses in on, um, DIY hunting, you know, specifically around public land. And so the first video that I did that i released you know several weeks ago um was really all about planning an out-of-state hunt and i know we've done podcasts on it and kind of talked about it but in that video i kind of really outlined you know not necessarily the gear i take i'm going to do that a little later in the year where i'll kind of you know go through and show you what gear i'm, I'm taking along with me and what my setup kind of looks like and stuff like that but this was really more about the nuts and bolts of like how do you choose where you're going to go what state you're going to go to you know which par- what parcel in, uh, you know in what county you know are you going to be going to and, and whether you're going to hunt over the counter or whether you're going to hunt you know a draw state and just all that type of stuff you know to kind of figure out the logistics of choosing a location and and, and then when you get down to the actual piece of public land you want to go at go to you know start you know doing the e-scouting and how you start to think about it in in, in those terms and then the second video was really talking about uh freelance hunting and you know the approach of like you know, you're going out of state. So you may have had a chance to scout and make a trip to that state and you may not have. Um, and so with that, you know, freelance hunting for me, at least has become a big part of, you know, how I hunt, um, where I don't really rely on having had, you know, the opportunity to put boots on the ground in a specific place to feel good about going in and hunting it. As long as I have an opportunity to kind of e-scout thoroughly and get, you know, get at least somewhat of a, an idea together. I'll just kind of let the Let the timber in the woods kind of tell me what's going on and and whether, you know, specific spots are worth spending my time there. And so in that video, I kind of go through, you know, what is freelance hunting, how I use it, and give some examples on some maps and stuff like that, some things that I look for. The one that I'll put out on Thursday will really just kind of be a recap of my Iowa hunt because really the Iowa hunt was the culmination, the most recent, I should say, culmination of that DIY out-of-state hunt planning married with the freelance hunting kind of style and then, you know, uh, applying it whenever I was, you know, in a, in an actual hunt scenario. And so what I did in this video is I kind of get on the map and show you my thought process as I was going on to a piece of public that I, you know, didn't have any information about. And I was having to learn it on the fly and I'm kind of on the go and had, you know, a set amount of days to figure it out. And on that specific piece where I ended up killing that deer and when everything went down, you know, I basically had from the 6th through like the 15th. So I had like, you know, nine days call it of, of hunting. And so I had basically nine days to figure that piece out with a couple deer, knowing that not every day necessarily was going to be um, a day that I was going to hunt that particular parcel based on wind and, you know, different pieces of information I was going to get, you know, where I thought I needed to be uh, based on the, the the bits and pieces of info that I was picking up. You know, I, I, it may not have been the right, you know, kind of situation to hunt that specific day. So not all you know, nine days were hunted on that specific piece. I had to pick and choose which days, you know, I was going to be in that particular area. Um, and so I kind of go through all that on the maps and how, how I moved and where I was seeing sign and how the deer were kind of moving and using terrain and stuff like that. And so if you haven't yet headed, uh, been over there, uh, I ask you, I don't ask often for people to do stuff, but you know, that would be awesome if you'd be able to head over there, head over there and check those videos out and then subscribe to the uh, the channel as well. Of course, you know in the midst of Turkey season here. Um, I didn't get out Saturday. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I looked at the weather and I was like, man, it's going to, well, it was raining here. It wasn't snowing. I know it was snowing in Western PA. Um, uh, but we didn't get the snow here. We got the rain and then it blew through, you know, before, you know, but I, I guess before first light or whatever, but the wind was kind of gnarly, you know, big temp drop. And I was just like, you know, what. I have some things I need to do around the house, uh, some preparations for, for mother's day and so forth. So I'm probably better off maybe skipping this day and then maybe being able to go out a day this week. So I did go out last week on Friday before work, actually hooked up with my buddy Wilson. He and I went out, we stayed socially distant from one another, but, uh, did a hunt together, uh, which was cool. And just, you know, in normal Clinton Wilson fashion, when we hunt together, we don't see any of the critters that we intend to hunt. So, uh, we saw, we saw and heard zero turkeys, which was crazy because we were, we were talking Thursday night and he just happened to be out where we were planning to go. He was seeing if he could roost birds um, and he actually had he actually had seen, seen turkeys. And so we were pretty stoked for the next morning. Like we were thinking like, man, you know, we may not kill one, but like we should at least get some action and, and be able to kind of do a little running and gunning on them and see if we couldn't get in the, get in the action with them. But, man, we heard we heard diddly squat. Um, so one deer, uh, and that was it. Now we didn't hunt, you know, we only can hunt till noon it's here, still in PA until this coming Saturday. I think we can hunt them all day the last two weeks of the season. Um, so, you know, I had to be, you know, back home and signed in for work by nine. So we really only hunted from first light to just about eight, you know, quarter after eight, eight Till I had to be back to the truck to drive home. So, got a hunt in on Friday didn't hunt this weekend um looking at the weather it looks like the back half this week it's going to warm up a little bit so i'm thinking i might go throw a hunt one of the mornings here uh before work during this week and then i'm probably going to head back home um on saturday or friday after work and for a couple of reasons one i'd like to get a turkey hunt in on the farm cuz literally that was kind of my plan was to head back to the family farm and hunt turkeys cuz there's turkeys there and three guys three birds killed and odd part was, is they all killed from the same exact spot. And so there's still birds there. So I may try to get back there this coming weekend. At least that's my plan because it, for two reasons, one, cause I'd like to try to get in there and kill a Turkey. Um, and two, I think I'm going to try to pick up the trailer this week. And that's the other thing I've been working on and thinking about and kind of worked on a little bit Saturday is that, you know, I'm a big, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, like I'm a big research guy. So like whenever I, get into an endeavor, whether it's a hunt somewhere to plan an out of state hunt or whatever, you know, I kinda dive in and I read as much as I can possibly read and spend a ton of time on the internet and probably overanalyze things. Um and so I've been doing the same thing, kind of getting ready to do this cargo trailer conversion and just trying to figure out, you know, what what all do I need, what all do I want in there? What's going to be the best solutions? You know, am I going to use a generator for power? Am I going to use some type of solar um, you know, uh, battery kind of system or whatever. The, whatever the case is, I actually even gridded out the like a schematic on my basement floor with painters tape, like the actual dimensions, and then started kind of like taping out where you know, like where where we'll build the bunk beds, where a counter will be, where I have a collapsible counter where do i put the power station like i started kind of mapping all this stuff out uh, just because for me whenever i have a plan you know i'm a I'm much better at, at kind of you know getting through things whenever i have somewhat of a a guideline or a template because now at least i know it's like all right well i'll need this much wood i'll need this these many hinges i need you know and that way i'm not making 100 million trips to home depot to try to get this thing done so that's the other thing i've been working on and and, and looking forward to and i think it's going to be really cool um you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, to this setup and hunting out of it this year. And, um, you know, Missouri and Ohio at least, and then probably a couple, you know, little trips in Pennsylvania, maybe to a couple of different places. I've been really kind of jonesing to get up to, um, kind of the Jim Thorpe area. Um, and I don't know that I'll make it up there this year, but it's one of the things I've kind of talked about where it's like, I'd love to go up there maybe this coming winter and do some scouting, you know, and be able to stay for a couple of days, you know, and the trailer will kind of be nice to do that. Be able to drive up, stay in, stay in the trailer and uh you know scout those 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 mountains because that's some big woods some some uh intimidating terrain um and some interesting you know topography in that area and would love to get up there and do a little scout and maybe even do a little turkey hunting in there uh in there next year so but with that we have a cool show today uh have on mr chancy Walters. some of you may know him from whitetail adrenaline he's got a couple of different products in the outdoor industry that he's uh, that he's developed. He is possibly quite possibly like one of the I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Like he is a straight killer. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And it doesn't matter what critter it, critter it is. Um, the crazy thing is 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 for as good as he is at turkey hunting and in hunting, you know, big whitetails um, he's actually a better bass fisherman than he is those two things, self-admittedly, even, uh, which is kind of crazy considering the, ki- the 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 type of whitetails he's he's put on the ground. But Chancey has that super aggressive, uh, mobile style that whitetail adrenaline is known for. All ground and pound hunting, we cover a lot of that um, about you know how he how he approaches hunting and a little bit about you know I guess his experience and how he's kind of changed his mindset a little bit around how he goes after uh deer in the caliber that he goes after he talks a little bit about um it'll be this next white tail adrenaline season that comes out on dvd it'll be it'll be on there so he doesn't spill all the beans but he had a magnum you know bona fide you know 200 inch deer that he was chasing on public ground um this past year um and uh, his plan is to try to get back after him after him next year. So uh, we'll see. he doesn't divulge all the details necessarily. You have to watch the DVD that comes out to kind of get all the all the info. But he does talk about it a little bit. But with that, I uh, hope you guys dig the show, and I hope you guys are having better luck in the Turkey Woods than me. And until next time, we'll see y'all all right folks welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast and today i have a gentleman that for a lot of you out there probably doesn't need a whole lot of introduction but uh he is the uh the turkey reaping bass and catfishing magnum killing herd bulling man himself mr chancy walters what's going on
3: man <laughs> oh pretty good we're just rolling out of the ozark mountains here me and a buddy of mine scott boswell my partner big buck ruiner. we're just uh A little catfishing today. Got stranded last night Wheel burns went out On both sides Been a rodeo The last couple days But (laughs) we're on the road Heading back home now And it's foreign
2: Nice Well I mean dude If it wasn't a rodeo I don't know if you Would have been involved Given like all the uh, Antics I've watched With you and uh, Whitetail Adrenaline
3: Yeah If it ain't a rodeo I ain't doing it But But I don't know How much fun I had today We got Yeah
2: Did you at least Catch a couple I
3: forgot my name yeah, I got my I got the best ran gear and other man, and it was in the truck about <laughs> three miles away from where we were at. So that that uh, Yeah,
2: yeah. Did you uh, get, get a couple of nibbles at least this, this uh this trip? What's that? So did you get a couple of nibbles at least before you got soaked?
3: You know what we caught I think we caught six six catfish. Um we kept them, um and we're gonna actually put them in Scotty's pond. He just built a new pond. So we're going to uh, put them in there and he wants blue cats in there. So we're going to let them go in there. Catch them in a few years. Hopefully they're about 30, 40 pounds.
2: All right. Do a little, do a little procreating in there. Make some babies maybe.
3: That's right. That should be the plan. One of them looked like it had a lot of eggs in it. So it nice. should reproduce and, uh... There'll be a kiddie city in there
2: nice nice well hey before we get too far into this man um you know for those out there that are listening that maybe aren't as familiar with who you are and like in what you do and where you're from and all that kind of stuff if you wouldn't mind just give a little bit of background about all those things for the folks
3: listening well you know i you know i just love the outdoors man. i'm, a, I'm an artist um i've made my living painting and I've just grinded through, and and I've been very fortunate in my life that I've got to meet a lot of really awesome people and go on a lot of awesome adventures, and and where I'm at today, because of my artwork, that's been my connection. way that I've got to meet in my life, and it's kind of been my in, and, and, you know, I just live to hunt and fish, and, you know, if I were to pick two, I mean, I love to hunt, but I love to fish probably more than I love to hunt, but thank God you can do both at the same time.
2: <laughs> I know, right? be, I you'd be in a rough spot if you had to choose
3: right that's right i ain't choosing i but I'm, I'm i'm telling you i'm gonna do it all i try to and that's one of my products i got too many calls in the fire but you know what I, i'm i'm loving life i'm i'm living i i'm I, i'm very very fortunate and i'm living a great life doing the things i love to do i'm not rich i don't make a ton of money but i make enough to grind through and you know go hunting and and, uh, and fishing and I've got some help with different people, you know, in my fishing tournaments, stuff like that. So that's, that's pretty cool.
2: Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think, th- I think as you get older, man, I think the one thing is, is that you start to recognize that, you know, those who, uh, those who are, 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 are truly rich are rich in memories and adventure. Right. Cause those are things mm-hmm. that you take with you, no matter the circumstances. Right. Cause you know, we're, you know, People are in a tough spot these days with the the climate of you know the economy and all those types of things. and um, and if you yep. bank on your um on your happiness being associated or attached to you know what you do for financial gains, you know or how much your financial gains are, then you know whenever things like this happen, man, it really, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's hard. And I think those who associate value to, you know, memories and adventure and things like that, like people always ask me at work, how I'm doing. And I say, I, I literally, my quarantine life and my non-quarantine life isn't any different. I was like, yeah. you know, I grind through work during the day. I was like, and then on my free time, I was like, I'm in the woods, you know, I was like, and yep. I'm still able yep. to do that. I was like, so aside from not being able to go to the movie theater, I was like, which I don't really do much of anyway. I was like, I, I'm not really <laughs> noticing, <laughs> noticing much of a difference. Yeah.
3: Uh, but, uh, you just gotta grind it out in different ways and you know there's a lot of people that are freaking out but uh, let me tell you there's nothing we can do about it right now you just gotta grind through it to get creative and it, it's kind of sad you know there's a lot of people that had lots of money invested in different things and, and uh holy shit you know but I'm yeah. sure everybody's sick of the corona talk but yeah, you know it is what it is man yeah. you just gotta grind through this tough time um, how long it's gonna last but shit if I gotta go live out in the jungle trust me I'll make it happen
2: <laughs> right exactly well speaking of grinding man how was your uh how was your whitetail season this year
3: you know what there's a lot of a lot of some ups and there was some big time down you all know, see it the dvd here it's going to be a, i'm going to say i mean jared think it's probably going to be just get as defiant but uh you know obviously there wasn't a mega mega typical i mean the one i killed nye was a beautiful animal but you know i it was pretty it's a pretty special deal i uh you know i shot that one i think it was like the Third or fourth day hunting in Iowa, cleaned it. Next day went out to Kansas and about shot the biggest deer of my life. The first hour of the hunt and wow. uh, yeah, there's some there's some things that happened and bummer uh, it worked it it didn't work out. And I chased him for, yeah I think I chased him for 20 more days. Jeez, had a couple more opportunities, just never was able to uh, you know get him. If it was if if I were hunting private, I think I could have shot him. Right. So, I mean, we might have to go on tough next year if we want to play games. Yeah.
2: Yeah, get you get yourself a little bit of that knock-on-door access and might be able to get after him.
3: Yeah. With this big 200, he wants to play games out there on the private. I'm going to knock on the door, and we're going to go in there and kill this big ass. He's big. <laughs> I mean, he's real big, like two two 220.
2: Wow. Was that <laughs> Iowa or was that Kansas?
3: Kansas where he's at.
2: Yeah. So, nice. I don't know. So You'll uh
3: you really want to give all the yeah. Give all the talk about it, but it's gonna be good. It's gonna, it, it was a good deal. I threw a baby tantrum, but it's all good, when, you <laughs> know. You mess up on a on a two twenty, trust me, it ain't you live for that moment your whole life messed it up. But I really think I'm gonna kill that deer this year. Nice. It's just I know where he's at, I have seen him enough time, everything that might be just part of the story.
2: Right. Well I I couldn't imagine, you know, screwing screwing up the screwing the pooch on a 200 whenever like, I, about, I was in Iowa this year, and, you know, I'm from Pennsylvania, so, you know, deer, obviously the caliber deer, very different. And, and I uh, screwed the pooch on a mid-140s eight-point in Iowa in, like, the sixth day, and that was enough for me yeah. to want to throw my bow across the across the lake.
3: Yeah, yeah like, like a boomerang. I, I, I <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Living in Iowa, you know, people think they're around every corner, but they ain't. No. Still got to work for them. Yep. Sometimes it'll happen the first day, and sometimes you won't even get a shot off season. So yeah, yeah. Everybody's missed them, man. I've I've missed deer. I've wounded. Don't mean to ever wound them, but when you're bow hunting, you just gotta you gotta you just gotta understand that things like that could happen. And and the world of bow hunting and you know them deer move so quick when you shoot and they're on high alert. I mean they cut cookies and you shoot them where you don't want to hit them, and it's a, it's a sad deal. But, uh, yeah, part of bow
2: hunting. yeah sure but you know to quickly pivot just for a second before we continue talking whitetails you know you uh you you're reaping some turkeys man i was watching some videos of you from years back where you were kind of like the 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 uh the lead reaper if uh if you will and i'm yeah, i'm watching yeah. your i'm watching your instagram stuff this this year and you got this turkey hat on and <laughs> yeah and i'm like and, and I'm curious, man, like what's your, what's your setup for, uh, for, for turkey hunting this year is, is, does the hat play, play part of it and how close are you getting? Cause I know you hunt, I know you hunt turkeys kind of like you hunt deer, like to get up all, all up in their business.
3: Yep. Yep. No, I mean, I, there's a reaping stuff. I started it quite a few years ago and I had the first video uh, ever on YouTube of doing it and nobody, I've never seen another video. We got it going and oh my gosh, it, it could have turned into really something great didn't protect ourselves on the decoy part aspect, but every other decoy company in the world made money on, on my idea. Which right. that's part of it. Didn't protect myself. Nothing against them. They ran with it. But I'll tell you I, I just brought it to another level, which I don't think I could market this this thing just because it could be dangerous and you gotta uh you definitely gotta be careful with it. I'm not doing it in you know, stupid spots, it's something I don't recommend at home, but yeah, I do got a turkey suit. And I got a hat and a face mask, which is like the breastplate and a fan that goes on your back and you just strut up in there in their program like you're one of their own. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Like, is it?
2: I mean, of course you, you killed a turkey, but I mean, are you, are you full? Like, I guess, let me ask it this way. What percentage of the time do you, are you fooling them?
3: Time, here's the deal. Turkey hunting, turkey reaping. I'm telling you, it's kind of sad to say, but it has dropped the population. Of tur- you can see a Turkey and you can kill them with that thing. Like even if they don't finish, I mean, you can get within about 50, 60 yards of every Turkey, no matter what. Like that thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a few times where they get a little weird. Like, I, I don't know, maybe they've got their butt kicked and, and everything like that, but man, that, that suit or the Turkey reaping style. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to get a shot at about every bird. I mean, if if you don't spook him before you get in there or something, you know, but right. it's pretty, pretty unbelievable. But this suit is on a whole other level. I mean, it is a Sniffer's Row turkey hunting. You are right up front row, slam dunk front and center. You don't got a decoy in front of you, but, uh, you know, I'm not making these things to sell them because it's, uh, it'd be something I don't think I could cover my ass off. But right. For sure. Somebody got shot wearing a, wearing a turkey hat ahead <laughs> on your hat. So. Right. Right.
2: Are, don't
3: do that. Go ahead. You can, but just don't blame my ass. <laughs> right.
2: Right. Is there gonna be is there gonna be some video of this?
3: Uh yeah, there'll be some clips. We have got a video of this laptop. We've been filming it. I've had this thing for a few years. Um actually the per, first person that that killed one with buddy Scotty Boswell, he killed the first one with it just because he needed to shoot a turkey. In. I already shot one that early season, built the suit, threw it on him, first hour in the hunt, and he had him a magnum down at five yards with it. And um, and then we've just been killing him ever since with it. Last year, I got two tags, four-season tags. Had one day to hunt, split out there, two come running in. I got both of them, two tags during four season, and that was all shooting. <laughs> nice. But it, was worked, it worked really good, man. It really did. It was What's pretty that? awesome.
2: It's nice. I mean, you, you're pretty efficient with the turkey hunting then, so that gets you into your, uh, your bass fishing a little bit a little bit quicker. You don't have to worry about the, uh, about the uh, one overlapping the other if you're killing them that quick,
1: right? Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to (laughs) MidwayUSA.com.
3: Yeah, 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 no, the the bass fishing is uh, definitely my thing, man. That's what I love to do, and and this time of year, you know, you kill some turkeys, but it's bass fishing season, but here's the problem is with all this drunk stuff all the big tournaments that I have planned to be fishing are all postponed. So it's going to be a mid summer, late summer, fall um, type type deal fishing fish the Central Series, Bassmasters, and the FLW Toyota Series.
2: Right.
3: And i pretty bummed that stuff's not
2: yeah it's a bummer man it's a uh, it's jacking up a bunch of people's programs this this year for you know tournaments or even you know archery shoots and and stuff like that it's just a, it's kind of a bad deal all but the you way got around a,
3: you got to these are expensive you got a few people that believe man I'm gonna make a hell of a run for it i will make it.
2: nice so. what so i might need to on another a different time might need to pick your brain a little bit on bass fishing because i'm getting right at a yeah. I don't I don't do well put it this way I don't really do much fishing at all I grew up trout fishing um didn't really yeah, ever hey, do I love trout. yeah yeah and, and well just in Pennsylvania you know bass fishing wasn't necessarily a a big thing in western PA it's a bigger thing here on the eastern part of the state where I live now um you know we're fishing just you're closer to the ocean so there's just fishing in general is a bigger is a is a bigger deal and I'm getting ready to uh get in a kayak for some water access for deer hunting and I was like well I'm going to get a kayak and I'm going to use that to get some lake access into some hunting spots. It's like, I might as well start, you know, getting a line wet too and doing a little fishing. That way I can spend a little time on the water in the summer, maybe to put out some trail cameras at the same time or whatever the case is, just make a day of it. So I might have to pick your brain for some, uh, for some bass tips, if you will.
3: That's You got my number now, so you can <laughs> hand me all you want.
2: Right. So, uh, as far as the, you know, getting back to deer hunting, man, you know, how did you, how did you get involved with, with Jared and Whitetail Adrenaline? How did that marriage kind of come about?
3: You know, it was probably, I think it was the first or second year I started traveling around doing trade shows on so my turkey feather painting. And I met Jared, and he was, he had a booth. I actually was cruising around there. I was definitely single at the time, and I went walking through there, and I seen this good-looking blonde sitting at this 10 by 10 booth. Slid over there and you know started flirting with her a little bit and I seen that they had DVDs and all of a sudden Jared popped up like Jack in the box behind the booth. Probably <laughs> <laughs> met. <laughs> <That's laughs> hilarious. But anyway, we've been so good friends ever since then and and uh, loved the, the 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 you know what he was doing with his videos a little something different and then you know they started going ground hunting and um, I suppose that was probably ten years ago when I met Jared maybe more probably twelve. Mm-hmm. and he started doing the ground hunting and I was hunting private and, and everything like that. But it was nosebleed private. It was no leases or none of that stuff, food plots or none of that. I was in the cow pastures, but I'd kill big bucks. But, um, I ended up meeting Jared and Jared would come down and stay at the cabin. He was hunting different public pieces, you know, around Des Moines and stuff. And, um, I would actually, you know, he, he's like, man, Chance, you need to do this. And I'm like, you know, I haven't really wanted to make the switch yet. And finally, uh, I lost some ground that I was, you know, that I loved to hunt. And finally, I was like, you know what? I got sick of all the, you know, everybody and their dog's a bow hunter now, which is fine. You know, everybody loves a sport, but man, it just flooded market now. So, you know what? I was like, "I'm in, Jared, let's do it. And it's been stress-free ever since, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, chasing big bucks is not stress free, but just right. the whole having fun thing has made it fun again. So I'm, I don't, I ain't worried about it. I just go out and hunt, and if I see a beautiful eight I'll shoot it. And if I see a giant, I'll shoot it. But if I see one like I did last year in Kansas, then I'm gonna lose my mind and definitely try to kill it.
2: Right. Yeah, I I, I hear you on the stress the the stress bit, man. Because you know, I, we have a family farm back in Western PA, and I was doing just helping out my, my father-in-law and doing some habitat work for him and stuff like that. And just kind of managing mm-hmm. the property for, for, for deer and for wildlife and stuff. And then, you know, start inviting other family members in and other friends of family and stuff like that. And before you know it, you got this piece and it hunts worse than a pressured piece of public does just because of all the folks that are getting invited and stuff like that. And again, happy that those folks are into hunting and stuff like that. But I was just doing a lot of work and, you know, stressing over, a, over the property and the deer and stuff like that. And it was starting to yeah. make hunting not fun, you know, cause I was, you know, worrying yeah. about managing versus just, you know, having a good time. And that was honestly when yeah. I just kind of pulled the rip cord too. And that was probably about four years ago. And I was like, you know what, I was like, mm-hmm. I'd rather go hunt public and just know that I can walk as far as I want to walk, you know, depending on how big the piece of public is and yeah. I don't have to worry about managing. I can just go do what I need to do and then, and then leave. And exactly. you know, it's, it's been great exactly. ever since.
3: Yeah. No, you know, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, hunting public's awesome, man. I mean, I, you know, if I bought a piece of ground someday, I'll get me my land under tag and slide back there and kill a big one. But, um, you know, I don't have that going on right now. So I'm going to hopefully deck a couple on public one. Here's the deal. A lot of people are like, man, why don't you go hunt somewhere else in Missouri and come up to go to Ohio. I'm like, damn, I got, I'm so damn busy trying to get them killed in Iowa. In mm-hmm. Kansas that it always sounds cool. Eh, hey, just slide over there, kill one in a couple days and then fly kill a couple and then run wild and it don't work that work yeah. that way. We stay focused on a on a spot and kill a good one, move to the next and kill a good one. We're not gonna you know, it ain't very good, let's go to a different state or none of that. You know, I mean I I win Kansas about as much as I'm ever gonna hunt. Right. You know, or maybe I'll get a wild here one of these days. Do kill a couple real early. Like this year would have been was set up. I would have had Two giants killed by the fifth, and then I could have spent, you know, a month jacking around on different places. Yeah, you know, that yeah. I could get maybe an over counter tag type deal. Yeah,
2: I I pretty much try to you know hunt PA, and then I usually try to pick at least one state every year and and go to. Last year was Iowa. This year, actually, okay. I'll do I'll do PA, Ohio, and Missouri
3: this year. How many years did it take to draw for you to draw a tag in Iowa? Like uh, four or five. It was, so,
2: yeah, that, that yeah. was my, this was my fourth year. Um, it would have been, well, I bought my tag with my fourth year. So if I wouldn't have drawn, I would have had four points, but I had three points plus the, the tag. Gotcha. Cool. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, but dude, I'm, I'm hooked. It's like, I can't wait to, I can't wait to come back. I was hanging with our, our mutual buddy, Johnny Utah down around his place. Oh,
3: yeah. oh, yeah. But he's, uh, he's, quite, he's quite the deal. Me and Johnny are good buddies. I've known yeah. him for a long time and, and, uh, Absolutely.
2: Yeah. He's a, he's, he's good people. He helped me, he helped me drag my deer out and get it taken care of. Cause I shot that thing on the 15th day of the hunt with an hour and a half of daylight left Really, the last day. Yeah. It was, it was kind of crazy, man. I I missed that, that mid one forties that I told you about earlier. I ended up missing that same deer twice, two different times. And I That's thought crazy. I just, I, yeah, man, it was, it was wild. I, I told the story a hundred times, but just the first one I got, I got shook. He snuck up on me. And then the second one, I just, uh, I clipped some brush and that was, and that was all she wrote. And I ended up killing a different deer. Like, uh, I don't know, three days after that, I ended up seeing that same deer four different times. Like I was all up in his business in his bedroom. Like I knew where he was spending time. Like I had him, I mean, he should have been killed three different times, but you know, but it, I got it bad now for out there where I'm just like every year I can draw. I was like, I'm, I'm coming. And I've been trying to figure out a way to, convince the old lady that we should just move to Iowa, but she ain't buying that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> She's not, huh? No, she ain't no. buying it? Oh, that's buying too it,
2: bad. Yeah, She's constantly uh, cold. I got a couple buddies like that to live out in PA. That, oh, yeah? Uh,
3: do pretty good, yeah. I mean, <laughs> my good buddy Harry, he's probably one of the best elk hunters I've ever met in my life. He actually lives out there. and nice. And, man, he, he kills big... He, he, he hunts out in Idaho and, and Colorado and different stuff like that. He's a big elk hunter, he, but he's came and hunted... He came and hunted with me in Iowa and killed killed a couple big bucks. So but he's from PA and I love P I love going after that big sports show at PA. That's yeah. a good time.
2: Yeah, man. PA's got a lot of really you know, it's 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 thick with hunting heritage and I and I say this I've heard other guys say it too. I, I dismiss it somewhat, <laughs> but you know, I feel like guys who hunt PA or Michigan or some of these really high pressured states, they may not be killing the same caliber of deer that other folks are killing out in some Midwestern states. Still man,
1: just hard or harder. That's
2: what I'm saying, <laughs> man. If you find a guy in Pennsylvania that's like consistently killing, you know, hundred and twenty-five inch deer or better every year on public, that dude's a killer. You know what I mean? Like yeah, my
3: oh, I agree. I believe it. I believe but, it.
2: Because it's, you know, I'll pound the salt around here pretty hard, man. And it's like and you'll be lucky if you get one really good encounter in a year on on some of the well it depends on what public you're on. like i'm in the eastern part of the state where there's there's a bigger population and the the public chunks are smaller like when you get out into the western part of the state it's like the population density isn't nearly as bad the public chunks are typically a bit bigger you also have the allegheny forest that's there too that's that's you know uh you know freaking however many tens of thousands of acres um so you get a little bit more land yeah. room. they got some they got some magnum deer in the Allegheny, like legit Boone and Crockett deer for, you know, for PA, they got some, some hammers in there. Um, but around this area, man, it's like, if you get one good encounter with a good shooter, that's, you know, right around that Pope and young, you know, kind of range, like that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good, that's a good year for this area, you know? Yeah. So, but man, you mentioned earlier, you know, you were mentioned about having, having fun. You're after this big deer, of course, you know, you know, that you're, that's uh that you're hoping to get back on next year, but you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned a couple different times that, you know, that you weren't looking necessarily for the biggest buck. Like, I remember watching this past year's DVD no. and, and hearing you kind of mention that a couple times, you know, and, you know, talk to me a little bit about where that came from. And, you know, I know you've killed a ton of big bucks, but what's, you know, what kind of prompted that, that you're not always after the biggest one necessarily now and, and how that kind of evolved? Like, you know, you as, I guess, evolving as a hunter.
3: Well, I just. You know, now I just kind of like it's if I get the right experience and everything like that. I've killed a lot of big bucks and I'm, I've been very fortunate and spend a lot of time. It ain't been, I've made my own luck happen for sure, you know, hunting private and stuff through the years. And, and now it's just like if it makes me, if it's a cool stock and we can get a cool deal on it and it's public, and man, I'm happy about it now. It just, it makes it more fun. I ain't stressed out and it's just, gosh dang, I, I just, I really enjoy it now. Yeah. No, having, I, you know. It you just got to wrap around your head. You know, you're not gonna, you know, you can shoot a 200, you can shoot a 170, 180, whatever. But if you start thinking you're gonna do that on public every year, you you know you're gonna get skunked for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So I'm I'm happy with just killing a nice buck, and I'm a big, I love big eight pointers. So yeah, I, I kill a big eight pointer every year, and wouldn't face me one bit.
2: Nice. Yeah. Now I I hear you, man. It's it's one of those things where you know, especially whenever I was hunting, you know, private a lot and I was watching a deer for one, two, three years and trying to let him mature or whatever. And then, you know, that was really kind of like the thing for me. It was between managing the property and then having, you know, one specific deer that I was hunting and just like, it just, it kind of ruined it for me a little bit where I just wasn't enjoying it. And I finally just went out that, you know, I've, I had an opportunity at the, the one I was trying to kill. I had him at 30 yards on opening day. I should have killed him a younger buck the wind got swirly. He winded me and they blew out. And this property is like three hours from me. So it's not like I can go out my back door and hunt it. It's like, I got to strategically kind of plan when I'm going to go back, you know, on the right wind and the right weather and try to kill that deer. And I just wasn't getting the right weather to go back when I had time off to go. And it was driving me crazy. And so finally I was just like, screw it. I was like, I'm going to go to this piece of public, um, that I've walked onto before and just kind of scoped it out. And I was like, I'm just going to go have fun and see what happens. And this you know, eight point walked out, my heart pumped and I let her rip. And that was pretty much it. I was like, all right, that's it. I was like, this was a lot more fun. <laughs>
3: then uh, it definitely, most definitely. It's a different, different feel. And, uh, it's a little more rewarding. It really does feel, feel right. rewarding and everything. When you do that all off the ground public stuff like that,
0: yeah. you know, and
3: if somebody can board this up, I mean, it is definitely a whole nother level of feeling and you gotta I mean you gotta make the right moves and make the make things happen for sure. You gotta be on top of things, sure what you know, what could happen, what are they gonna do, you know, when I mean it's just the whole tree stand is literally like a hundred times easier than right. it really is. It really is. I mean it's unbelievable how many times I fail chasing these deer on the ground. But you learn from your mistakes, uh you mess it up, you, do, you gotta get right back out there. You know, I'm I'm one of those guys. I'll you know I'll complain, stuff like that, throw a little fit, but uh, I'll be back right back in just about an yeah. hour or
2: so. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I'm the same way. Where it's like I'll get a little bent, at, you know, for a minute, and then uh, call myself a few choice words, cuss myself out, and then you know, pick my lip up off the yeah. ground, and then get back after it. You know, so. Mm-hmm. But I I want to talk to you a little bit about, man, you know, head when you're when you are heading out of state, you know, like, say, for example, Kansas. And I know you've been there, you know, enough at this point, like, you know, the lay of the land pretty well. But, you know, whenever maybe you're heading out to a piece that you're not familiar with or maybe to an area of Kansas that might be newer to you, you know, for for an example, you know, what are things that you're looking for on a on a piece of property that kind of is something you're going to want to go check out or spend some time driving to glass and, and stuff like that? Are there certain features or anything like that that you're seeing on a map that's saying, like, hey, I, I need to be in this spot and check this out?
3: You know, I'll tell you. Um, you know, the Kansas deal is definitely you know, Jared's deal. He invited us on stuff. We got different areas and stuff that we go. You just got to cover ground. I mean, there's... I, I It's, it's going to be crazy now, maybe for this before, but when we were out there, I mean, we we go a week without even seeing a shooter on public mm-hmm. bike through like, you're just like, this is stupid. It's almost like what are we doing out here? And then all of a sudden you drive a mile in there' you know or you know what I mean, it's just you got a lot of guys think you're gonna go out there and drive around and stuff like that, spend a couple of days. I mean it, it, you better be you better be ready to spend a month out there. I mean, we're spending 20, 20, to 30 days driving around and it's hard for a lot of people to take off work. I work for myself, I'm scared, work for myself. So we're able to go out there. And, and, and take that time off. And trust me, I'm behind when I come back Oh, I got so many damn feather orders I need to be painting. And, you know, I make sure I meet my deadline for the most part. But, man, it takes so much time and it just wears on you. It makes you, it makes you silly, man. It's just crazy, the stuff me and Jerry get to talking about. It's fun. We have a good time because we're driving and, you know, it's just, we make it fun. But, man, it just, it's a lot of, a lot of strain on your brain. Like, is it, a lot of glass and you get a headache. I mean, it's, it's, it wears on you, but man, it's so worth it when it finally
2: does happen. Right. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm gonna, my plan is not this coming year, but next year I'll be headed to Kansas for my first time. So for a person who will yeah. be a noob going, going to Kansas, uh, what would be your, uh, your, your, uh, Magnum or herd bull tips, three herd bull tips for heading to Kansas for the first time?
3: You know, be prepared to spend some time out there. Um, if you're wanting to kill them on the ground, um, you know, I. Would, if you see one, you know, definitely. You got what I've noticed on those deer out there when they're cruising and stuff like that, you got to make decisions quick. Got to be. I can't tell you how many times where I've been like, man, just kind of waiting there, and all of a sudden I make my mind up. It's been like five minutes on trying to decide on what we want to do or what to do, and then that was the five minutes that I needed. Mm-hmm. So, build with your gut. You get something in your mind. I mean, you'll know whether you got to rush rush in there and make something happen. But I can't tell you how many times we've been screwed by seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, we needed to be where we were set a little bit further seconds, and we would have killed the deer or had an opportunity. So, I definitely, you know, you got to move as quick as you can and precise as you can. And, oh, man, I mean, that's, that's the main thing. It's crazy. I bet you 50% of the time on, on stock. Um, it's seconds or minutes or and it's the time that you're trying to decide on what to do and three quarters of the time if you just go with your gut that was the time. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. That, you know, that you should have went in there. So that's what I recommend and uh cover ground. I mean it's there's no special sweet spot out there. It's just you just gotta definitely cover ground where you're at. Make sure you got a lot of public ground parcels close to you. Um, you know, heck, you might want to knock you know, knock on the door. I wish Derek would let me go uncuffed out there because it would be a whole nother level.
2: Right, right. No, aren't, aren't there not there pieces, Aren't there pieces that are uh that that are walk in access that like farmers will say, Hey, this 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 parcel here is, you know, free to hunt?
3: Yeah, there's different spots like that. And, you know, Kansas has got a lot of ground out there. Find a fine spot that, um, that, you know, maybe nobody's hunting and stuff. You just got to just cover a lot of ground. But you'll definitely uh, have that out there. I think you need, everybody needs to be successful out there. Kill a decent buck. I mean, he 10 days. I mean, even have, you supposed to have an opportunity. Or else it's a complete camp. You know, that's what I found out. I mean, it, just, it could happen the first day and, and you might not ever get an opportunity out there thirty days, but I will tell you, every day that you're out there, if you don't get an opportunity to see one, it's a day closer it's gonna happen. It's the odds, man. Right? It's definitely you're not gonna just go for years and not see it. I mean, it's gonna happen. So be prepared. If it ain't happening, you're definitely it's it's on it's it's on its way to to you're you're on your way to spot a good one, have an opportunity at one. Just just how it is. The odds of deer hunting.
2: I think uh, I think my plan is probably fourteen days is what I'll is what I'll do. It's what I did in uh, well I did fifteen in in Iowa, so it'll probably be around that same fifteen sixteen days is what I'll plan for. Probably. Wow, yeah, yeah, it'll
3: be a lot of lot of lot of time for you to definitely make something happen out there. I think that's best for sure.
2: Nice. Yeah. So, when did you did you always hunt from the ground, or when did that start?
3: So my years crazy. A lot of people are like, man, you just started hunting. The first time I ever hunted first time I ever went bowling in my life, I killed a buck on the ground. first day I ever went out. I literally <laughs> got I was dry I got my license. I was sixteen years old. Spotted this big eight pointer um going out of this went out across this like tall grass field. You know, I got all my stuff and shamboed in there and got all on the ground. I was shooting a red bear, black bear easton 25 715 or something aluminum arrow junk four blade muzzies at the time i mean that, god he's looking at me because he loves shooting he loves broadheads but he's he <laughs> killed light juice but like him now he sees other stuff but i didn't buy they passed up on me but anyway i'm sure they killed feel, feel deer with them they're a great broadhead if you hit a deer right well you hit one in the shoulder daddy i'm telling you right now they ain't going through right. no so. For me, for me. But I was shooting a really low-pounded bow at the time. It's like 50 pounds. And uh, anyway, I seen this buck. He come out of the timber, and he starts working his way toward me, and I lost visual of him. So I grunted out. He might grunt with my mouth. I grunted, and all of a sudden, this dude just appeared right there in front of me at like 10 yards. I come to full draw when he wasn't looking. And I thought it was the big buck, but it wasn't the big buck. I ended up shooting it eight. I didn't right? care it was my first buck with the bow. Right. And I literally shot him. He was ten yards broadside. I let the arrow go. I think I was so jacked out of my mind. I let the arrow go and I shot him square in the butt sheet. <laughs> and then I hit the I hit the main vein. He ran probably he went about hundred yards piled up. Right. <laughs> the first gear, The first gear was on the ground. I was shot him from my knees and then uh, then I three stand hunted, you know, ever since then. And uh and been killing them on the ground ever since Jared got me doing the crawling and brawling in. so man, and the decoy thing, you know, that all kind of came about because of the first stuff you know, first yeah thing,
2: I, was gonna, decoys,
3: I was I was gonna ask you
2: but, yeah, I was gonna ask you about how you I mean how you deploy a decoy because that's two things that are gonna be brand new for me this year is, you know, I did a little bit of uh, hunting from the ground last year. And it was just one of those things where I've walked into so many, especially pieces of public, especially here in Pennsylvania where most guys aren't hunting from the ground and in a high pressure state like PA, I can usually find little pockets of areas that guys won't hunt because there's no trees to hunt. Um, And that was really one of the reasons why I was like, all right, I got to get more proficient at hunting from the ground because I think I'll have better opportunities because some of these places just aren't, aren't touched. And then from there it's like, you know, I've been watching, you know, you guys' DVDs and stuff like that. And, you know, decoying is, is I, I'd really never, I personally just didn't see a use for it for the, for the longest time until I started really considering hunting from the ground. And then I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I need to figure out how to put a decoy in my, in my, in my arsenal. So give me some of your tips, man, for how you, how you like to decoy, how you like to use it, how you like to set up, like, do you want the deer yeah. coming directly into it? Do you want it to be off to the side? Do you want them focused on the decoy you're set up somewhere else? I mean, how do you, how do you really like to use it?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, the first, the- the, the decoy that we use out there, uh, Jared, Scout, Jared, and Jay were the first ones to really try it out, see how it works, and Jay shot a really nice one doing it. So they the ones that kind of got the the deer thing started with it. I figured out that it is going to work just like the turkey and um, turkey reaping, pretty much deer reaping. And you know what? What I've noticed out there working it, not every circumstance you know, you're going to you kind of got to go up the fly. Like, is this going to be a decoy situation or is this going to be a situation where we just need to get in as close as we can um, and get it on it. But the decoy that we have, you know, I've noticed whatever, like the, the bottle beat to the, if, if you're holding it, but will be out to the, the layout. I think it's out to the left and to the right. So the deer would be aiming to the right. Then deer want to go and try to come to the head of the deer. So, I mean, that, they definitely want to try to come downwind of the deer a lot of times but if they have a visual of the deer decoy they don't necessarily come downwind if they see a deer they're not going to put go downwind of it most a lot of the time. but hmm. when you're in that decoy situation you've to shoot them before they get downwind right most of the time but right. you know it, it it don't work every time but i'm telling you right now there's been a lot of times where we wouldn't have had, it, wouldn't have had the opportunity and it's gonna i mean we're gonna kill a big buck with that damn thing i mean Really, really, it's really going to happen. You can get up on them. Um, the key is, if you, if you got a deer out there and you're wanting to go at them, I wouldn't recommend just having that decoy and you're just going at them. It's not going to work like that. you got to almost um, uh, be within the distance of them and, and pop that thing when they, ain't, or when they ain't looking at you. All of a sudden, you just get the decoy up. They turn. Oh, there's, there's a deer. And then, you know, you start walking at them with it. That don't work. It ain't like antelope hunting or turkey hunting or nothing like that. But I'll tell you the main thing that I've, decoy works good with. You spot a deer out there and he is, he is, we've learned to do this. And when you see a deer out there and all of a sudden he's one, he's got a bunch of satellite bucks. They're coming in there trying to get on the doe and he, he, he's running them off, you know, and then he runs back to his doe or whatever you find that situation, that is the golden situation sell a kill on decoy. And what you want to do is you watch one of those satellite bucks, see how, see how close he lets them get in there to where, you know, he's going to try to run them off the doe. You can figure out, like, a lot of times it's, like, 50 to 100 yards, and all you got to do is sneak in within that distance, you know, with the wind being right and everything, and pop that decoy up. And if he sees that sucker, he's going to come in and try to run you off just like he has all the other ones. And, you know, and then you got to play, you still got to play it. You know, where's another satellite box? You run into problems there. There's so many things that's got to go into play to make it work. And man, it works like unbelievable if you get that
2: situation. Are you using it? It sounds like you might be even using it more, like less to like bring the deer toward you and more as a, as a distraction. So you can either get in position or get drawn or whatever. Is that fair?
3: Uh, you know, actually... I like to if I if I want the deer to come, that's when I'm using it. I usually don't use it to distract them, but um, there's been situations where that that's been with, with a ton of deer behind them behind that thing. A lot of my deer that I've been killing on the ground, I've been, i mean, I walked where they bed, and uh, you know played to the wind and, and snuck in there and killed off the ground that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Decoy deal, trust me, you you got to have that thing ready to go. When the situation,
2: right? So, right. You, right.
3: you can't and you can bring on it down. in there again. Yeah, you bring the decoy in on there, and if you feel like it's not going to be a tool to be used on the situation, leave it lay and finish your finish your finish your sneak. You know,
2: that's, yeah, uh, that's how it is, but... Right. So, I I want to talk to you a little bit. And I'm glad you brought up sneak because I want to talk to you a little bit about you know how like what your process is for. For doing that, man, because you guys get in, insanely close. You know, I I would say I've never I've never been that close to a to a big buck on the ground. I've been close to some young dumb deer that have let me get that close in the past. But you know th- how you guys are closing the distance is just kind of insane, especially with how kind of aggressive you guys are and how quick you move at times. You know, and I know at times you guys have to slow it down to kind of get into position. But, you know, I, I know there's yep. times where you guys are like, we got to beat feet to this point over here because he's going to cross there. And you guys are just a hellin across the field or or through the yeah. timber to try yep. to get to a spot. But when you find a buck and say you're glass in Kansas, Iowa, wherever, um, and you're glass and you finally kind of spot one. What's your kind of like process, like first mentally, and then what is your physical process to try to start to get yourself into position?
3: Okay. You know, if I'm out there and all of a sudden I'm cruising around, or I'm out there and I spot one, spot one, first of all, I want to see if the a doe with is he is he is he looking like he's going to bed up, or is he chasing a doe? Is he working? Is he cruising? And then if he's cruising, obviously you got to figure out how to get in front of him and have him not smell you either, because you know as much as the big buck ruiner works when you're out there and you're driving in the van and going into the gas station, you you got to play the wind more than anything. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you. You, you got to figure out what the buck situation is first of all. What's he doing? What's you know? Why is he there? You know, main thing is is if he has to go, if he's by himself, you you know, that's when the decoy comes into play too. Really, really good. You you know, cut him off get in front of him. But if it's, if I spot a buck, you know, I want to I want to bed up. Hopefully, he beds up on on private or on public, and we could sneak in and kill him. And uh, for your sake, I mean. You might, you might spot one, and he might be, might bet up on private tech, and I'd be knocking on the door and sliding in there. They'll probably give you permission. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's an open spot. A lot of these guys got permission on timbers. They got all the timber locked up. That thing's push them, them big ones. They like to push them does out into the open, keep them out there and away from where all that, you know, all the traffic is with all the other deer, and they like to get them out in the open. That's where I like to that's, that's definitely the key spot to, to, uh, to, uh, get on them. But if I have a situation, they got a doe, you know, most of the time they're going to bed up if they got a hot doe, they're going to, you know, bed up right there somewhere. And I just figure out how to get in on them. Hopefully the doe's in a position where she can't see it. That's, that's a, a, you know, one aspect of going in on them. The other is just, you know, just cutting them off and, or getting in position to call them in, mm-hmm. you know, we get. We do a lot of calling, you know, blind calling, or we get into position. We can't get to the area to cut them off. Okay. Decoy up, easy calling. I mean, they're going to come in there. I mean, it's just, they're they're just that's just that time of year where they're going to make stuff happen for sure. They're by themselves. They hear some rattling, or they see the decoy. You know, they possibly think there's a the hot over in there. At least going to come over and investigate it.
2: Right. You know, so. Yeah. So is there yep. is there a time frame like so say say you're seeing a buck right and he's he's getting ready to bed down or he or he is bedding down or whatever is there a, is there a time frame that you like to start to that you kind of look for to make your move that, that you've kind of figured out over the, your years of do, you know over the years that you and Jared have been doing this where it's like hey we know that like if we know there's a buck in this bedding area because maybe we glassed him you know and. 30 minutes ago and we had a visual, but we lost a visual of him because he went over this little knoll or this little through this hedgerow that we can't see through. And we know he's going to be bedded over in that general area. Do you guys kind of have a frame of reference that like, man, typically if we're going to make a move and, and we had a visual and we, but we can't see the deer now, we know that like nine 30 to 10 30 is probably the optimal time to make a move because he's going to be bedded down at that point. Like, do you guys kind of have like a window, you know, a time frame that you know that you, you're safe to move?
3: Yeah. I mean, there's, I think, you know, every, every situation is different, but like if the best thing to do it is if you can watch them bed, just you, the, if you can keep visual on where they're bedded, obviously that's the best, best way to be able to keep an eye on them and just, you know, know that they're there. There ain't nothing worse. I've done it multiple times, sneak in on fear that wasn't there. Right. Telling you right now. I, like the one I shot last year, I, I snuck up in a spot, sat there for six hours waiting for him to stand up and he was never there. There was like a gap where I wasn't able to have visual where I thought he was, and he got up and moved and never did see him, and there I'm sitting there hanging out with a drink of deer that ain't even there. That's, that sucks. I've done that multiple times, but... <laughs> area where, you know, you have to lose visual and you got to take a gamble, and, you know, they could get up within that period of time, and, you know, hopefully they stay, but... That's <laughs> part of it. Yeah, oh my yeah. God, every situation different, man. You just got to go with your instinct. And, and uh, like, there's been a lot of times where I'm like, man, I don't see him, and they're there, man. They get so low, especially if they start sleeping. You know, they just get that hit. The rack you can barely see the rack, but man, you just got to use your binoculars and blast. You're going to give up, and then all of a sudden, you spot the damn rack. You know, tip of the time just in there.
2: There they are. right. Uh, So what type of, you know, when you're getting ready to make your move and your sneak, like what type of terrain features are you looking for, you know, to use as as concealment? You know, like, is there, are there certain things that you'll look for, whether it's ditches or, you know, small drainages or, you know, hedgerows and fields or anything like that that you're really kind of using, moving with shadows, trying to stay in shadows or anything like that that you're using to try to make your move? Uh,
3: You know, pretty much I want to see where the deer, deer look. Like, if I watch him, at, watch where he's at, I want to see where he, you know, where he's looked, um, how they position themselves. You just got to work that angle. Hopefully they're positioned where the wind's good for you and away, or you can keep something in between you and his head. I mean, it's just, it's just like, it's, it's, once you get in there, it's, it's every, every situation is different. Every little, uh, you know, them deer, sometimes they'll get up and reposition. You got to be ready for that, but. Man, there's, you know, the one I shot there two years ago, a big, giant eight pointer. um, He was, that was an unbelievable He was, it was one of those situations where I spotted the two does, and he was laying down below there. We didn't see him until we put the binoculars on the does, and he was down there height. The does took off. Anyway, he got, he took off running behind the does. We drove up the hill. To see where they were going to run, and the does just kept running. and He never followed. I knew he'd laid down up there. He would have kept following them. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was, you know, he, he was laid down there. Most likely he was laid down, snuck up there to be able to get a visual. There he was laying there, and they able to get in there at about five, six yards from killing. Him. And that was, you can run in situations like that too. But you watch right. them long enough, they'll bed. You know, open situations are going to be You know, you got timber situations, you can't. He ain't going to be in bed, you know, you got to get in there close to where they are and, uh, do a little rattle and they might come running in that's happened some too. Right. So,
2: so no real, you, every,
3: you, know, you can't plan on a deer being somewhere. You just got to go and say, spot a good one and then, you know, dissect that situation, situation.
2: Right. Right. And let the kind of, let the, uh, let the events that unfold kind of dictate what your plan is
3: exactly
2: yeah yeah so with that man like when you're playing so like when you're playing the the wind is there because i talked to jared about this a little bit is there i'm trying to figure out how to ask this like so you always want to you always want to be playing the wind but is there a distance at which that you're not really concerned about the wind and at what point do you start to really kind of consider the the wind as it might now start to impact you know the deer getting nervous or you know, or whatever the case is, like, and I'll just give you an example. Is it like, you know, if I'm 300 yards away, like I'm not worrying about, you know, if I have a, if the, if the deer is bedded to the, to the North of me and I've got a direct South wind, it's like, if my path to get there is North to South, I'm going to run that North to South until I get to about 150 yards. And at that point, I'm going to have to start cutting the wind because that's when he's going to probably start to get nervous. Do you have any kind of like in your mind, do you have kind of like a, a, any type of process like uh, that?
3: Yeah. I've had them things where you, you don't think they're going to smell you and you run a little gap just to think you're going to try to the get them things. They're gone by the time you get up around. Um, you know, you just got to take the gamble. If it's the only situation or the only way to get in there and you got to gotta go and, and maybe the wind's going to blow toward them or whatever, uh, you got to take the gamble. I mean, I've done it. It's worked. That's why you just got to definitely keep yourself covered up. Uh, as much as you can. Here's how look at it. It's going to make big sense for you. A lot of people are out deer hunting. They, every section's got houses. Around. Deer, no flippers.
2: All right, folks. Sorry about that. We had a little technical difficulty. Chancy and I are here talking as he's coming back from uh, doing a little cat fishing. So he's kind enough to, to wedge us into his busy schedule. But what we were talking about there, man, was uh, right before we got a little wonky with the tech was, um, I was asking you about, you know, you cutting the wind and when do you really start cutting the wind? Like what's that yardage marker? And you kind of just started talking about, you know, the way land lays out. Now there's so many houses and homes around and stuff like that. There's so much human stink around that the deer kind of inundated with it. And then I think that's where we lost, lost each other.
3: Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, here's how I look at it. Deer are always going to smell you. You just want them to be able to not pick up your smell a hundred percent. They're always going to smell smells. You know, like I said, you, there's houses around every section you hunt most of the time they they smell people all the time they just know if it's within their arms dip, you know distance where they're at like i mean that's why i mean we we definitely drink ourselves the big buck runner put it on as much as we can and 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 obviously control you know take a free shower stuff like that but i'll tell you you just got to play the wind and if they do smell it they might not they, they do smell it they're just going to be like oh that's just, that's too far i mean that's how they pick it apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, because isn't it crazy how you see deer and stuff up the back people's yards yep. and and stuff like that? They just they know they know where it's safe and they know they know you know when it's when the smell is not in in you know, yeah. a big enough. It just here's the deal: the big buck breaks it down enough that you can, you know, they can't pick you out enough. Just it just breaks it up enough that they can't they can't tell you. Right, I mean, It's just how it is. That, it works. It's hundred percent works. Use it for years. It definitely works. But cutting the wind, man. You know, you can, a couple hundred yards, you can get away with it a lot of times. If you got one vetted, you're you're you're, you're, you're able to get on them. You got to, you know, have them. You know, you got to let up your smell mm-hmm. to to get in there on them, and and well, that that's gonna happen. It's part of. It. I mean, if you have to do that, be able to get in them. Sometimes that's the risk you gotta take and, and it'll work a lot of times. If you don't smell like a complete funk, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean Right,
2: right. <laughs> you know? I hear you, uh-huh. man. Some of the, some of those out of state trips though, man, a shower is few and far between. I got some funk brewing on some of those bad boys.
3: Say that again? I said
2: when Cut some out. of those out of state trips, uh, the shower is few and far between. So I got I got a good funk work in some of those days. I remember the one day last year I was yeah. walking through the timber and I, I don't <laughs> Uh-huh. It might even been the last hunt when I killed that deer, and I was I was walking hiking through, and I was like, "Man, what does that smell?" And I was like, I kept smelling it, and then whenever I finally got to where I was hunting, I was like, "Well, damn, that's me." I was like, "It was it was that bad." Hey, uh, okay. when that
3: happens, you definitely got to play the wind. <laughs> yeah, <land>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you smell like that. Yeah,
2: sure. yeah. It was one of those ones where yep. I was smelling myself, uh, but uh, which you know, hey, I got I got it done. So you know, it, it, I must have played the wind all right that uh, you know on that occasion. But uh, yeah. You know the, the one thing I want to ask you, man. I have two other things I want to ask you, and then I'll, I'll let you kind of, I'll let you get back to your evening. But you know, the one is, you know, did your, do your, how do you change your ground tactics based on time of year, right? Like, do you, do you hunt slightly differently in the early season versus pre-rut and rut versus versus late season? Like, talk to me a little bit about, you know, if you change it up, you know, at all, you know, how do you change it up, and if no, why not?
3: Uh, you're talking just
2: throughout the phases, of rut, No, phase of the, of the season. Deer. So like beginning of the yeah. season, you know, whenever it's really, you know, if you're hunting, you know, they just say bedded deer or whatever, like you're really probably going to be working that bed to gotcha. food pattern, yeah. right. You know, and ground hunting, because exactly. it, it yeah. seems like ground hunting for yeah. rut. like for me, I would probably have an easier time picking it up for rut because deer are going to move more frequently. Whereas if yeah, I'm trying yeah. to use it's it in definitely. early part of the year, it's like, I really already have to know where they're going to be or I'm really going to struggle
3: yeah yeah you definitely got a you know, early in the season you definitely got to just get on you know, watch one they're easier to pattern then and even if a sacrifice a couple days of hunt staying out wide watching what they're doing mm-hmm. you can slide in and you can spot what one's doing exactly Instead of rushing in they're trying to hunt a spot a lot of guys do that mm-hmm. i've done it multiple times sliding we got to get in there got to get in get in there and all of a sudden you blow him out of the bed or whatever instead of saying way back and just watching, visualize you know watch that set up or where you're wanting to go see where they're coming from and stuff like that make sure you ain't you know blowing your big buck out um before moving in there sometimes just sacrificing a day just glassing is definitely definitely key for right. for doing the public stuff or out in the open or even on private i mean there's so many times where you know you got like a spot along a building you just want to get in there but you don't know if that damn deer is headed right there close to it or something so you, you just got to set back and watch see where they come from see how close they're getting and then you can really dial in that's what i recommend
2: yeah yeah it's interesting man because you know i think a lot of folks you know from watching y'all's dvds and stuff like that it's like you know you know they'll say those guys are super aggressive it's crazy and it's like you are when you decide to go Right. Because there's, I've watched plenty of times where you guys have been patient as far as, you know, this isn't the right setup. Like we want to kill this deer and this setup just isn't going to work. So let's figure out if we can find another setup for him, you know? And I think that that's the people have to kind of recognize that, um, there's a way to be aggressive while also being um, mindful of what the setup is and what it's going to require. Like, just like you were saying with playing the wind, it's like, if you only have this one spot with this deer and you can't get him anywhere else, and it means you're going to have to risk it for the biscuit on the wind, then you do it. But if you have three other ways to Sunday to try to kill that deer in a different setup, then, then why risk it? Right.
3: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, the later the season goes, you definitely got to get more aggressive. Right. But, but, up and, you know if there's times where you gotta hold back maybe there's a satellite buck you don't want to bump i mean just like this 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 hunt that you're going to see this year i the first day i seen the first evening there i mean i could i couldn't i could have tried to get in there and get a shot on it if i could have but i could have blew out a, a satellite buck or one of the other bucks or could have blew the hunt and uh would have never got an opportunity. Whether they would have ran the private, that would have been the end of the story. Well, I had to buy back out of there instead of trying to kill him right then, and you know, hoped he was going to be there close. He had a hot doe just came into cycle it was late October. Right. um He just popped in. He had it. You know, that's one way to look at it. You got a bunch of bucks around. He probably just came in, and and you know, you're going to have to deal with a lot of satellite bucks. That's just you know, just when you think you're you're going to be able to get in there and you're going to go all of a sudden there's a, a puke buck laying on the outside of them or something like that. You just got to do a lot of glass and make sure, make sure you ain't sliding into something you don't know that's there, you know, the best you can. Sometimes you don't know and you can't see everything, but, um, that's
2: definitely the key for sure too. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you there. That was my, that was my experience this year. You know, again, on that Iowa trip, it was one of the, I was walking through a CRP field and there was a ditch in the middle of it. I was trying to get to the other side of this timber line and I just, I happened to stop at this, as I, as I crested the first kind of CRP field, and I was like, man, that ditch looks like a really good spot for a buck to bed, you know? And I was like, you know what, let me just stop here, take a break. Let me do some glass and make sure I'm yeah. not walking into anything stupid <laughs> I glassed for like 10 minutes, didn't see anything. This was a big learning lesson for me too. I bent down to pick my pack up and took like three steps and just boom. I just heard biggest animal I've ever heard hit the ground and took off running. And it was, I don't know how big of a a, a booner, but it was a definite booner that was just tearing ass out across the CRP field. And I was probably only 50 yards from him when I, when I jumped him. Um, And that whole thing was, is I couldn't, I didn't see him. But it was a learning lesson of playing the wind because the wind was in my, was in my face, which was great for trying to get to that timber line. But if I was going to try to ground hunt, you know, which direction do you think he was looking in? looking directly at me, right? He had the windows back looking in my direction. And that was, you know, that was a big learning opportunity for me for ground hunting where I was like, and that was whenever I was, you know, starting to figure out, I was like, okay, so I have to kind of figure out when I need to start cutting that wind and I just need to do a better job of being patient and spending more time with the glass, picking out, you know, trying to pick deer out of, you know, <laughs> hard to find places to make sure I'm not, you know, boogering myself up before I give myself an opportunity. So yeah it was, uh, exactly. yeah, but you know, you win some, you lose some, I lost that one, but you know, learned a good bit on that one. But, um, uh, yeah. man, I, I want to ask you one last question here. I like to wrap things up with, uh, with, with this question. Um, it's, uh, it's a simple question, but oftentimes has somewhat of a complex answer or some complex feelings that are that kind of go along with it. But why does Chansey Walters hunt?
3: I hunt for the experience, and I don't know, man. I just I got all kinds of different things that I hunt for. I mean, I do love to eat them. I am a trophy hunter. I love to you know I love to kill big bucks if I can. But I I I don't go out and just kill a bunch of deer. Um, it's just one of those deals where if I see a buck that I want, I'm going to go after him and shoot him on, you know, public now. And if it makes me happy, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, it's more, it's more, it's more about the, the, the the hunt or the sneak or the, you know, the footage we can get of it Mm -hmm. and everything like that now. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm not, I can only shoot a couple you know bucks a year and, and uh, I'm not going to go out and shoot a little puke or nothing like that. I've done nothing wrong with people that go shoot a puke their first, for their first thought. But it's, whatever makes you happy, I don't know. Right. Everybody's got their own way of hunting. Everybody's got their own view of what's a shooter to them. You can't ever knock somebody else's program. You know, you just got to, you know, if they're happy with that deer, let them shoot it. You know, don't put them down. But, you know, I mean, I'd like to, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Everybody's. Look of it's different. That's that's the hundred percent for sure. But yeah. you know, I love it for the enjoyment, the camaraderie. I mean, I just that's what I like. I, mean, yeah. I just love being out there yeah. and uh, you know, make it you know, getting a vision and be able to sneak in there and make something happen, or you know, plan out a you know, plan out a hunt that turn into this successful one. That's that's the best. Or yeah. going after a certain buck. I mean, that's just, that's fun, man. Yeah, no, I that's
2: why you. I do it. I hear you, man. Well, that was awesome, man. Before I let you get out of here, dude, why don't you uh, tell folks out there that are listening, um, you know, where they can find out more about you, where they can find out more about your art, uh, you know, and, 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 all the art that you do, how they can purchase it and where they can find out more about the products that you, uh, have developed and, uh, uh, produce.
3: Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, you can, uh, look me up uh, at Chancy Walters art, um, on Facebook. That's my best page for
2: Now the 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 arts uh the, the arts killer, I'm jealous John has a sweet uh a sweet Arrow Wild turkey feather uh painting, which I'm jealous mm-hmm. of. And uh I'm gonna I'm gonna, ha- <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to get me some of the some of the big buck ruiner. I know he had some at his house and I was trying to I was trying trying to commandeer it but it didn't happen. So I'm gonna have to I'm to have to pony yeah, up and try yeah. to get me no, some. We'll,
3: definitely get, uh, we'll get you a little VIP pack to draw nice. it in. Nice. Uh, well see the aroma. <laughs> that's that
2: get me the aroma that I needed. That's right for hunting from the ground. I gotta make sure I cover up that smell, that funk I had going on. So that might be the ticket. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thank you, man, for coming on. I appreciate it. You have a safe drive and uh I'll talk to you soon. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a subscribe there as well. It'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Gumleaf USA Boots. And until next time... We'll see y'all.